Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampion, and my guest today is the owner of Elite Cigar Lounge, Mr. Monty Evans. Thank you for joining me. Hey, man, I appreciate the opportunity um, to join you tonight. Man, listen, I really appreciate you. We've had a chance to talk a couple of times. We know um, good brother Dirk Robinson, so right. you know, if you're good with him, you're good with me. <laughs> <laughs> D-Rob, my man. How, how, know, how y'all know each other real quick? Man, D-Rob, um, I met him because I was actually a, a, a radio producer in D.C. with WKYS, the Red Light Special with Kay Kelly, who right now is on Sirius XM, um, 12, to noon, 12 noon to 6 p.m. Eastern. And we ran a show called The Red Light Special. For anybody that knows, like, the Quiet Storm format, you know, I worked for Miss Hughes, Mommy Hughes for years, and... We came up with a concept, which was a quiet storm slow jam show with a kind of hip hop twist on it. So we would talk about love, relationships, sex, um, and basically the demographic was issues that you could talk with the granddaughter, the mother, the aunt, and the grandmother about it. Everybody around the generation could wind up doing it. And so our ratings were just so high that they couldn't figure out how we were doing it. And so um, I had a lot of creativity as an executive producer. We would go out to the beauty shops, strip clubs, uh, ladies' night, of course, and um, <laughs> sit down and talk to clients about what they want. And so um, just hearing that, I created a thing called the pampering party. What we did was we had a woman's only night where they could come in and get the nails done, feet done, um, buy gifts, um, get a massage. And, you know, because we knew all the male strippers in D.C., we had like a little ladies' night strip thing for them. And um, D-Rob came through with one of my buddies we called Duff, named Kevin Johnson. And um, he came through, and I've known him since they all were teachers at Suitland High School at Merle. We used to hang, kick it, and just been one of them brotherhoods for years, man. It got to be now over like 28, 29 years or something. Hmm. So yeah. it, it sounds like it was a success. Why did you guys stop doing it? Radio change, man. Um at the time, Sirius XM came on. It was now, we were part of XM Satellite. And so I actually, it's funny because I looked at a syndicated show that I put together for the Red Light Special. I still got the demos last week and it's still relevant. And at the time, nobody was into podcasting. Nobody was into buying um, internet spots. But we had a nationally syndicated radio show. If anybody remember the Russ Park Morning Show with Olivia Fox, I had put together a show with Kay McKelly and Olivia Fox that we were ready to launch, but nobody was ready for it. It's like, it's not going to work. To rest, internet radio, all this other type of thing would not work. And so we kind of killed it. And so I got out of radio. I moved from D.C. to Carolina um, to cover sports and um, became an assistant radio programmer for a sports, session, sports station. Radio got crushed again. And so I was like, it's time to get out. So that's why we kind of ended that. But I still have contacts in the industry. Actually, we are working on some projects, hopefully sometime in the next two years to get lifted if it can, but, you know, we're trying. So be, because, of, because of the shift, because radio unfortunately keeps going against you. Right. Are you, are you considering getting into like podcasting or anything? We did podcasting. It's just like, everybody's doing it now. Um, if you look at it is everybody has some type of podcast. Um, what I look at is substance and quality. Um, you know, it's a gift to learn how to interview. Anybody can talk, but can you make anybody have a conversation that you ask the questions that nobody else asked? Do you make them feel like they're coming into your living room, into your bedroom, and you have an engaging conversation that they'll have at the beauty shop, the barbershop, the restaurant, anything else? Like, are you having those critical conversations? You know, are you just going with a fad because you got a cute face and a slim waist on the show, but you're only relevant and you can't break down the history or the um, dichotomy of the topic. Okay, I'm going to challenge you for a second because you okay. say, okay, everybody has podcasts, which is true. Right. right. But if you're great at something, right. if you feel like it's your gift, why would you concern yourself with what everybody else is doing? Because your gift has to be relevant. You got to put work in. Faith without works is nothing. So you could have a gift, but if you don't operate the gift and the gift has to be used at the right time. And so what I've learned in radio, like if you look at, listen to music now, the current music just has a drop beat. It's a three, doom, doom, doom. They put some keys or something on top of it. Everybody got the same sound because the kids growing up now, they're not studying music education. They're just the sound. If you sound off key, they sing off key. They feel about 
it's a feeling, not about the production. So if you look at times when me and you was growing up, if you go back and somebody say Candy Girl, you already know what I'm talking about. Talk about Bobby Brown and Roni. Mm-hmm. I know I'm dating myself, but you probably remember the girl or the car you was driving. Or if you hear a LL rap slow song, what the girl you was dating at the time? You probably remember the song you was in college that was playing. Now the kids don't have that now. Like when you go out on a date, if you set a tone at your house with your sweet significant other, do you know what the what 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 this generation gonna play? So you gotta know and gotta have more than just being right now. Like if you got a product that only does right now, it it has to have a you know a life cycle or a shelf cycle. Because like I said, the, the podcast I did, we did this back in 2003. I listened to it this week and it's still relevant. relevant. We talked to, um, if anybody remember the Lakers from back in the day, if you got a younger crowd, they won't know it. James Worthy, they played with Magic. Oh, yes. um, his wife went to UNC and she was talking about being married to a, to a baller. Everybody look at basketball wise now. We did that in 2003. It's the same topic. So, so that's... <clears throat> So let me ask you, is because you see that, does that does that make you frustrated a little bit? No, because I mean the frustration part is the lack of content. So if you want to see a bunch of women that's fighting all the time, angry, and that type of lifestyle, that's more like the woman you're gonna get in your bedroom because now that's become the norm. I can scream at this dude, I can do this, you know, I can be a female with um masculine energy. No man really wants that. I don't want to be confrontational with no woman. You know, I don't need a woman with the same power. Women supposed to be feminine, beautiful, intelligent, soft, and sensuous. It's okay to, to be a woman that gets upset and get angry, but I'm here to soothe that situation. You know, men deal with a lot of stuff going in and out of the house every day. You don't want to come back home to that. <laughs> so I get upset with the content, what it does, because it portrays women as a certain thing. Some of the shows portray men as a certain thing, and that's not fair to us who are not in that percentage, whether we're in the 1%, 2%, or 3% of, you know, men or women who don't do that. Like, you think about the women who are great wives or great moms. They can't relate to none of that stuff that's going on, all that drama. You know, and they're professional women who are doctors, lawyers, secretaries, you know, working offices, might work their own small business, but they still understand how to be a woman. Yeah. I want to back up a little bit because it seems as you have a really great grasp of music. So I want to ask you a question. Do you feel because music is coming out so quickly and because of technology, do you think that's preventing people from making timeless music? No, I think it's the executives. I think what's happening now is some people understand music and music history. And if you look at it, sampling changed the game to where if you have to get a beat that somebody would you know, remembers, that can make you um, say, uh, oh, that's a Biggie song, that's a pop song, um, that's a Run DMC song, and you lay a cover over top of it. It's just like recycling. But when you look at, I listen to something, I listen to the lyrics, the sound is a catchy, the first 10 to 15 seconds don't grab me. Then I listen to the content of the lyrics, and I listen to the strings, you know, the chords and all that. And you ask a, you ask a kid now, man, did you hear that bridge? What bridge? Where's the bridge? Where are we traveling to? They don't know what a bridge is. <laughs> Do they know what a hook is? They know what a falsetto is? Mm. You know, so I mean, it's those things. Like, when they took music out of schools, they've changed the game because now it comes to sampling. But if you look at the old school musicians who still tour that can play instruments like, you know, I listen to country, rock, and everything, and musicians are talented. You know, you got to go to a live show with a live band that would show you the appreciation of music. You know, when you hear a saxophone, you hear the bass, you hear the drum line and all the other type of things. You know, you hear a drummer just break off the down, hit the rhythm all across and everything like that and break it down from an up-tempo beat to like a metal, you know, falsetto or something and break it down, it's music. If you ain't got music in your life, you ain't got no soul because music is developed to relax you, enhance you, and also motivate you. Hmm. I didn't realize that you were this passionate about music. Did you actually play? Did you actually play music growing up? Nah, man. I played played the saxophone in high school. Was an athlete, and I was like, nah, I'm done with it. But when you look at it, when I grew up, me and my cousin, we just listened to music. And I can tell you from a man's standpoint, I used to like, I used to, and I got a tape I found this weekend. I had, I had a thing called a Midnight Meltdown. Like, I, like it was a time where you would like 
my generation was you had a tape deck, you hit record, and you sitting there waiting for the show to come on, <laughs> and you hit the pause button and hoping that the guy talking don't say nothing. Then you record it, and then you get to the end of it. And then at the end of it, what you do is you got to go back and take take the rewind it back and listen to it to get it right there and hit the stop so this next song can pick up. That's before they started that digital and all that other type stuff. So you had to wind up making a tape. We had cassette tapes in my generation to put in the car. You taking a girl, I'm doing a slow jam show. You know what I'm saying? And you can't listen to the radio, got commercials all the time. You sitting there relaxing, chilling, driving with your honey, going to the movie, going to get some pizza, some popcorn or something, or some ice cream. You got to have a nice little slow jam on there, kind of relax and chill and make her feel good. <laughs> and so um, that's where my music comes from, man. Just like, you know, I had a thing where even when we went digital, you know, when I wound up with the Red Light Special, um, they got a thing in radio called The Power. The Power song is a top song that they play at the top of the hour, which is top 20 song in rotation that's played to get more spins. With more spins, you know, um, the artist makes more money, get more exposure to sell more now, which is called downloads. We didn't do The Power. We did a song which was actually called um, a recurrent. So we would play the older slow jam song at the beginning. So at the time we would play a silk, play an intro, let me come inside. Like I set the tone for what the night was be. And what happens is the music set the tone. And then when we had a talk, talk period, if we come out of a talk period and somebody's talking about sex <laughs> and I play a song about walking, <laughs> I just lost the tone, lost my, lost my, Crew, because I done put you into the mood where what we talked about moved into the next song. So sometimes you have to do what we used to call a punch. You have to punch a song in there that went with a topic or something that you were talking about. It's all about the flow. It's all about the rhythm. And if the song does not wind up, um, you know, going into um, the next transition, you probably lost somebody. Man, you have got to find a way to get back into music. <laughs> it's tough. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming eventually, man. In due time, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I tell people, you know, life got to beat you up a little bit because if you don't have anything to happen in life, then how can you relate to the masses? You know what I mean? And I think sometimes taking a break from stuff, you know, it brings you back to a thing where you've had some experience because a lot of times if you keep doing the same thing, it happens. Like I give you an example. Look at Mary J. Blige. She puts out her best stuff when she goes through some shitty. And so if you look at the break when she had, she had to go through her experiences to get through it in order to write the lyrics for the song that people can relate to, to basically, again, enhance somebody's life that's going through it. If the song does not hit you or meet you where you're at, is that really a song? Hmm. Let me, let me, let's, let me, let's stay on that a little bit hmm. for you. What does it say about an artist for you that, even they make good music, maybe when they're in a positive space, but mm -hmm. they need to be in that. Unfortunately, they got to be in a negative space and make that timeless music. What do you say to that? Man, it's hard to say because if you look at NWA in the late 80s, had a song called After Police and look at everything that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. I know for me as a black man, some of that vulgar music was the pain that I was feeling as a young black man that kept me from going out to do something. So it kind of soothed the soul of you getting upset about something that's happening. Somebody wrote a lyric about it. But why did they write a lyric or song about it? Because they experienced it. Like you have executives to say, oh, that's not authentic enough. But you have a white executive telling you what's going on in the hood, ain't never been to the hood. So how can you represent the hood if you ain't been there? So if you look at some artists who wind up becoming real popular, sometimes it's like, man, I'm not feeling this. They go back to the first studio that they that they recorded in and they stay in that spot with their feeling internally. Like if you look at music, fashion and everything, it's a symbol and art of what you're feeling internally that comes out. And so they go back to the spot, like get away from the LA's and the New York's and the Atlanta's and they go back to the hood and just, have to feel and smell what they're actually producing out. Man, I know we could stay on this music topic forever. <laughs> what 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 era of music influenced you the most and why? Oh, man, influenced. I mean, I'm a 90s dude. Um, I love what Guy, Teddy Riley, Big Bub did back in the 80s, what Puffy, Big and them did, because that was more of our generation in college. I think your biggest experience of music is in between the ages of probably... 14 to 26 
because you're going through things where you can, those things help you to express yourself and help you move from transition to transition. But I mean, ain't nothing like some old school, man. I love, you know, the Commodores. Like if you ever go back and listen to the song Zoom, dude, when they start hitting that thing at the beginning, I get goosebumps. Goosebumps <laughs> all over me. Like, you know what I'm saying? And if you look at um, the Osley brothers and you look at how Ron Osley talked to people, you look at Teddy Pendergrass, how he talked to them. I mean, I'm, I'm a slow dude. Slow jam dude, man. I mean, but I like country rock. Like I remember um, Boy George and Wham, Careless Whisper. You know, um, I just think that as we started to diversify music, we kind of lost our culture because it was a time where black folks were into country, jazz, pop, R&B, classical, jazz, gospel. I mean, if your play deck is not diverse, there's something wrong. You, you stuck somewhere because you can't tell me that you're going through something that that gospel music don't get you through something that grandma or your auntie used to play, or your mom used to play on Saturday night when they started to, you know, get that Sunday dinner ready. They start humming in the kitchen about four. And the only <laughs> thing you want is a hamburger. And they're like, baby, be quiet. You know what I'm saying? So we, you got to, you know, people don't do that no more. You know, everybody wonder why nobody sits down at the kitchen table on Sunday because somebody, mama ain't teaching them how to get ready for Sunday. Mm. You know, it's something about that Sunday meal sitting under the table, but now you got people that's like this all day. You know what I mean? Just sitting up here doing this all day. I've seen people go to a restaurant and get on their phone. Instead of talking to the person across from them, they jump it on Instagram and Twitter. Are you on a date or are you on Instagram? Man, I, I you think... Know, I, 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 I give you one I did this week. Me and my uh, fiance went out and, um, you know, uh, we hadn't been out a while because we got some moves we're making. And I put my phone in her in her bag. Why you do that? I don't need it with you. Who's going to call? Because I want the center attention to be on you, mm. not my phone. Because anytime somebody got their phone and you on a date and something pop up, they look at it. Are they paying attention to you or your phone? That's a time that you're supposed to be intimate, having a conversation, having a dialogue, getting to know each other. You're dating each other. So why is your phone out? Man. Why you asking phone to your boy, your girl on a date? Man, you you absolutely right on that one. Yeah, absolutely so right. Let's transition to the to the elite cigar lounge. First of all, okay. congratulations on opening it. When when did you when did you open it? That's back in 2013. Um, you know, sometimes when you go through turbulence or trials and tribulations, sometimes God will give you a gift. I had went through the loss of my dad and I had someone tell me, man, you know what? You seem like you're having some anxiety. I think you need to smoke a cigar. I kind of calmed down. I was like, I ain't smoke a cigar all day in my life. I'm an African. So I was like, like, notice that the aroma from smoking a cigar kind of calmed me down. And I was like, okay, that's pretty good. How you do it? Learn the tricks to the trade of it. And then I was already in business since I was 19. So I started looking up the fact of how many of us is in the business. You know, and I started seeing not a many of us in the business. And I had clients who were athletes, high um, end clients who love cigars that had a problem getting them. Just didn't want to, you know, had issues on how they would get them. They're not the ones that's going to the stores or stopping by the local bar or cigar lounge, pick up a stick. And then I started researching and found it was less of us. So I reached out and did my research and one of my businesses, you know, branched out and um, started the Elite Cigar Lounge. We started phase one, which was good. And we had some other phases. Um, so it's been good, man. We've actually, not because of COVID or the supply chain, which is actually, nobody's talking about the supply chains and cigars, and I don't know why they're not. Ooh. But um, right now, we're looking at doing a reboot, relaunch. I'm ready for the next phase. I have some things that are transitioning in life. And um, I'm either all in or all out. And sometimes you have to park a business to recreate it, to take it to the next level. I think a lot of times people in business will keep on with the same model and don't take time to step away to kind of see what's the need, what's the market, how the market change. And we can see by COVID, the market has changed. Mm -hmm. And I was our business was way above, ahead of the, the market um, curve with COVID. But now since everybody has adapted, what's the next thing? So I'm always looking like, what's the next thing? And not the what's the next thing, the trend. I look at doing something elite, something different. Well, how, okay, it, it, it was working, correct? The 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 current, the marketing plan you was using was working, correct? Yeah, it was working, but what you have too, because of Instagram, Twitter, you have trolls that are out there looking at your model. 
Mm-hmm. And one thing that we were very um, serious about was not having our model copy. Because you can be the little man on the totem pole, the big companies can scoop something up and merge you out the market based on their capital, their investment, and their longevity in the business. And you don't want anybody to take your concept and kind of replenish it. We do something differently. And so um, <clears throat> I just noticed that the cigar industry started changing. Um, I think there's a lot of, and call it what it is, um, fake people on the internet who go and buy cigars and put them on cigar bed. People bid for them that ain't licensed, ain't certified, something happened to you, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Then you also have bootleggers that say, you know what, buy some one dollar cigars, go out and get a label made to make it look like a Cohiba or a big brand or a big box store label, put it out there and sell you a dollar fifty or 50 cent cigar for about $20. And they make it cash cows to people who think that they're in the cigar game that don't know anything. But the regular cigar person is not going to worry about it. Like if you are a regular cigar person and you are a top-end, middle, or low-end cigar person, you know what you want. You can tell the fakes from the real ones, and you're not going to buy anything off the street, cigar bid, or whatever like that. They're not worried about the cost or the price because cigar smoking is about a reward. The average cigar takes anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, hour and a half, based on the gauge size that you're smoking, and it also comes along with something that you're drinking, and usually it's top shelf. But you can go to a cigar lounge, and you can sit with a top CEO, millionaire, corporate executive, lawyer, and sit next to a guy who, the sanitation worker in a city that you work in, tattooed up, all of them, and you would never know because they just celebrate the, the cigar life. I want to come back to that, but I, I want to back up because you said something really interesting, because um, especially with today's climate, you said mm-hmm. the supply chain issues. Right. Cigars. What are, what are some of the issues you're experiencing? Because I think we should talk about COVID. That. COVID. So if you look at it, let's go to all the industries right now. We have a baby shortage formula because what happened was, uh, you know, a um, supply had tainted. They had to shut it down. So they have to shut it down, sterilize, get the recalls back in. So that puts people out of work. So if production stops for three weeks, you're going to get it down the line. Like give another example. There was a time where everybody when COVID hit was staying in the house, right? Mm-hmm. The housing market was not moving as much because people wasn't moving. People's like, look, I'm gonna stay content. I don't know what's gonna happen. People are dying. And so what happened was they started making less and less products like lumber, um, refrigerators, because the factories were shut down. Then you had the workers inside getting COVID that they had to wind up going through protocol 10 days. So what happens? That cuts down your supply chain. So the same thing happened in the cigar industry. They don't talk about it because they don't talk about tobacco too much over here or pretty much across the world. But when you look at it, if you have somebody that's in a factory in Nicaragua, Dominican Republic that does COVID, you've been exposed to probably 20, 30 people working rolling cigars. What happens? They got to shut the shop down. Mm. And at the same time, people really wasn't spending money on cigars. Some people were because, you know, being in the house all the time, they're smoking more, ordering in, going somewhere to pick it up. There's been a lot of cigar shops that now have shut down because they could not get through the COVID. Um, so a lot of things changed. So when you look at supply, if you have something that happens in June, you can expect to see it sometime within the next six to nine months. Wow. So you'll see a lot of places now where the cigar lounge might not have as many waitresses anymore there might be high days low days could be based on the weather some people like this amount got to the point that i'm just gonna smoke sticks at my house then you got other people who are laid off covid hit i can't afford this you know it's a luxury it's not a convenience it's a luxury and so all of those things to me in my opinion have affected every industry but i don't think they're going to talk about it because it's not the cash cow of america it's not the most important news story that this has happened. Yes. So, um, you know, I think those are the things you have to look at. I got a couple of supplies right now. I've been asking for some things and some shipments are coming in late. And um, then you got to think about the number of people, the items they got to get through custom now. So they had a time where a lot of things weren't coming through customs and now it's overloaded. You know, how many, how many containers are still sitting on the shore trying to get into the, to the, um, to the U S. So you have to look at all that, you know, the whole supply chain is going to be what it is. And now we got another strain of COVID increasing. So you can expect to see something else going to happen. Then we're looking at inflation with inflation. There's job cuts, job losses, expenses go up. 
So are you going to smoke a stick or are you going to pay your, pay your water bill? You're going to pay your light bill, pay your car note. That's a necessity. Let me kick back off of this for a minute. So all those things, you know, when you look at a business, you got to look at the economy. You got to look at the job market. You got to look at job growth. You got to look at the consumer price index. You got to study trends. You got to know what's going on across the world. You got to see what's happening with suppliers and what's going on with the weather. I mean, think about it. Cuba is one, but we can't import Cuba here. But what happens in Nicaragua if something happened with the rainforest or with global warming, something happens with the crop? Even though they put cigars out there age 5, 10, and 15 years, if this stops right now, the cigars for right now, the next 12 years supposed to be aged, winds up becoming a bad crop. What happens? It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect supply and demand. So if the supply is low, the demand is high, it, the price is going to increase. So all of those things go into any business. And if you got to learn the basis of economics, that's what happens in any type of business. You have to look at what's happening globally. Doing, because you because of COVID, there's so many challenges. Was there ever a time you felt that you may lose the lounge, the cigar lounge? No, no, no. I think we've done a model to where even if I stop it, um, my business model works. Um, so I made a decision probably back in almost a year ago, kind of slow it down, stop it for a minute, mm -hmm. um, let it be missed, you know, and um, been mentally, personally, and other things dealing, I don't want to say dealing with, but life, life changing, you know what I mean? So um, I've had some real good growth in my life and the woman that's in my life right now, changes in my life, um, looking at the next phase of the next 15 years of life. And so sometimes you got to concentrate on that. And I think sometimes you have to go into a shell and go into your creativity side in order to develop what's the next concept. And so I'm ready about for the next concept, but I got some other things I'm working on to get that concept done. But um, I just think that you got to know when to hold a, a fold, whether you play tongue in school, you play poker or something, you got to know when to hold it with the fold. And the thing of it is, it's survival of the fittest. It's not about who wins all the time. It's not who wins... The race is who wins the war. Yeah. You, I've, we've had a chance to talk now for about, about 20, 30 minutes. And I can, I've gathered very quickly that you're an extremely sharp businessman. <laughs> Where does your business acumen come from? Man, you know what? The radio side, I could probably do this show with you for about two hours because I don't never, I don't never stop on words. Um, I just think it's passion, man. Um, you know, I originally went to college being computer science, and um, I was really good in math and um, numbers. I've noticed that, like, from the eighth grade, I had a basketball coach named Mr. Fields, who was my eighth, my seventh grade teacher. He used to be like, one plus one divided by one equals one divided by this. Like, he used to spit off math like that. And I got the numbers. I said, like, ooh, kind of challenged my brain instead of you doing like one plus one divided by one times 10 times 10 divided by five. Like you had to follow the flow real quick. So that kind of expanded my mind. And so um, from him to teachers that I had in high school and one of my mentors at Bowie State University of Bowie, Maryland, who I'm still in contact with, um, Professor Richard Lowry, who I talked to probably every week since I graduated over the last, ooh, at least 28 years. Um, one of the first blacks to get an MBA from Harvard. Um, just having those right people in your mind and pushing you um, in every aspect. And so when I was 19, man, I used to sell tennis. I used to sell T-shirts. So T-shirts at a Delta convention, came up with a concept, creativity, did parties in college, did tour management, radio. And I just think that I'm not where I want to be, but I just, I'm not scared. I'm not afraid to fail and start small. Like everybody's like, oh, I got to have a business plan, a marketing plan. I got to do this and this and that. My whole concept is, can you make $10? If you can make $10 a day, can you make 20 the next day? If you can make 20 the next day, let's go back. Can you make $100 a day? Can you make $100 for 30 days? 100 times 30 is what? 3,000? Mm -hmm. Can that pay somebody, can that pay somebody mortgage? Yes, even here. So, yes. <laughs> so what I'm saying in that is sometimes when you eat, you know, everybody like business plan this. I'm like, no, nah, I keep my stuff in my head. A lot of my stuff isn't written down. I don't think people use their brain a lot. And so what happens is if you can start there, you already got a business plan because you're not going to go out to no bank 
and say, hey, I need a $25,000 loan for a startup. You go to a venture capitalist, they're going to be like, okay, show me what you've done so far. You can look at any show on Food Network or whatever. Like, you look at the guy who started on the side of the road selling roses, selling roses to, you know, little roses, so you get in trouble with your girl. Oh, dude, I better buy this. Let me give him $10. Oh, <laughs> you buy them, give them to your girl's hand. Hey, I was thinking, I'm sorry. So he went from that to probably doing a cart in the mall, cart in the mall to open up a flower shop. We got to start small and grow and develop. It's like you can't put a seed in the ground and expect it to be an oak tree. You got to water it. It got to be tested. Can you water the storm? You got to till the soil. You got to fertilize the soil. And that's the thing about a business. You can wait all you want. Start. Just start. It takes nothing to set up a business. Just set it up. Invest in your own self. If you go out here and can buy dinner every night, everybody go to Chick-fil-A, go here to get something to eat. Can you take that $20 and invest in yourself to make another 100 mm. So instead of going out to eat, let me take this $100 and let me put this into business and then let me do this. And then you forget about the fact that once you start a business, you get some deductions where you can deduct your office in your house, your car, your gas, your electric. You get a tax incentive for basically investing out of your own personal income into the business. If you catch a loss, you get a, you get to deduct the loss. So you have to always be doing something, studying, reading books and things like that. So I just think it's just passion, man. You know. Life will change some things. It'll give you some experience, but you just got to start. And then you also, what I tell people too, you got to find your passion. Everybody go to work every day. You'd be like, oh, I can't stand this. Okay, you, your passion might have changed. You know, my passion went from being in sports, being in radio, um, to being in entertainment, to had no clue I was going to get into cigars. And one of the next phases is... Um, is um, our company, um, Elite Luxury Rentals. I mean, you got to start somewhere. You might have a plan right now for a business. If you don't start, it might not be meant to, to prosper in 10 years, but are you going to wait 10 years for it to happen? The development is in the process. The development is in the process. It takes 10 years to get there where you're going to be, but you can't start 10 years at the start line and think you're going to be at the finish or be at the halfway point. Hmm. I'm going to touch on something you said because it... You you one of the few people that said something very interesting. You said you don't write your plans down. Hmm. Is there a so reason? I had, I had a mentor that tells me what I do is, so if you write them down, somebody can steal it. Oh. So isn't your mind like a computer? Wow. Think about it. You're going to write something down. You got a pad. Everybody see you carrying this pad. You're going to go to some restaurants. I got to go to the bathroom. Somebody really wants you to pick the pad. Pad's gone. All your ideas are gone. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in putting concepts down. Um, but I've learned, like, your brain is a computer. Don't you put everything in a MacBook? <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, I, I, was taught, I was taught, you know, and I did pledge a fraternity how to read upside down. So I've gone into business, I've gone into offices and I'm able to learn how to read upside down. I've learned how to read. Everybody teaches the concept of reading left to right. I've learned how to speed read that. Usually, remember English class? Mm -hmm. What do they call it? It's the, it's the um, beginning, the middle, and the end. Usually the introduction, the first two lines will tell you what it's about, the meat of the stories in the middle, and the conclusion. As long as you can get those three pieces out of a big piece of something, you figure out what somebody else is doing. So I've been in places where I've been able to read upside down because radio, we don't read left to right. We read up and down. It's how to skim and overwrite quick, get the information and go. So the thing about it is I don't write anything down because I don't want nobody to steal my concept. Somebody can steal your MacBook. Somebody can steal your notebooks and steal anything you want. Your mind is a computer. We only use a certain percentage of our mind. If you go over to and use more of your mind, you will challenge yourself. You will broaden your horizon. So what do you say to those people that say you have to write it down to make your vision plain? If that works for you, that works for you. That works for you. <laughs> do you. Don't work for me. Don't work for me. Like, I can tell you, like, I got some stuff in my phone. Like, I can tell you with me and my fiance, I got certain things like our vision board in there. And I got other little things of accomplishments, some cars I want to drive, a place I want to live that we want to move to. But the devil's in the details you won't get out. Like, I can tell you right now what my next business model is. I can tell you in my head what the market reference point is. I can tell you what the market median is. I can tell you what the return on the investment will be and all that other type of stuff. I can tell you what the upset capital will be. I can tell you 
how many investors I need at a certain amount to get it done. I can tell you, you know, when it comes to putting it in presentation, when you got to meet with people, yeah, I can drop it down, but I'm not going to give anybody no 20 page report. Nobody got time to read that. Your, your meetings are in stages. Introduction, are we introducing each other, getting to know each other, going to business, seeing what we can do. Then they're going to check out who you've worked with. And after that, they want to hear your concept. So if you meet with somebody and tell them your concept, they can say, we're not interested. They can really like your concept and then wind up rolling with it. I'm glad you kind of touched on marketing because that's something that goes on a lot in like cigar lounges and Mm -hmm. places like that. So how important is that piece of of your business? Just the marketing aspect, like people interacting with each other. So really, I'll tell you, it's really about um, psychology. And I don't know if I'm going to use psychotherapy, but let's go psychology. Marketing is really psychotherapy. It's really making your mind believe into a concept. It's also, if you think about it, your mind stimulation. So I'll give it to you like this. So marketing, what do they use to, to market Ferraris, high-end cars? Man, I, I don't know. I never looked, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, beautiful women. Okay. If you ever go back and look at old Ferrari ads, Lamborghinis, remember they used to have the girls with the bikinis? That's true. Okay. The pumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. the marketing concept. Let me show you another one. So in in sports, no disrespect, there's women out here that know sports. I'm not saying that disclaimer. Don't call me because you will get your behind kicked. <laughs> so a lot of the commentators on the sidelines were actually at one time former athletes, analysts like myself, who knew the sport. Look at basketball and football today. What's on the sidelines? Mm-hmm. I can't. No. Right. And, so, and don't get me wrong. There's some women with earpiece that look good that they're telling the story to. But the one that get me is your best, your next question comes off the last response. So if a person asks a question and you don't follow up with a follow-up question, you ever been watching TV like, why didn't you ask that? That's because they're not paying attention. Somebody's whispering in their ear. So it's all about the feeling. Marketing is about making me feel good, right? People go out and buy because it makes them feel good. And so when you look at going out to eat, the, the difference between going to a high-end restaurant where you're going to spend a lot more money, you're expecting a certain amount of service, a certain amount of quality, a uh, certain amount of pampering and care from the way that they open the door. Good evening, ma'am. How are you doing? Oh, you have a 7.30 reservation? Oh, Chad will be right with you. He's going to walk you to table nine. Enjoy your experience. So guess what happened? He wasn't complaining about waiting at the door like Red Lobster. You're waiting on a 25, 35-minute wait. You sit up there looking at your phone, waiting for them to buzz you. You had a reservation. You're dressed to a T. There for a night of evening of, 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 of time. You, you, you would never buy your time back. One of, my, one of my closest friends was like, buy your time back. It's no cost for your time. So you then went to dinner, and you eat the finest steak, the finest lobster, you know, the experience, she's dressed to a T, smelling good, you're looking good, and you're having a great night. You leave out, come back and see us again. You're going to ask for that same waiter. You're going to leave with the same experience. You're going to go out and talk to everybody about the experience you have. It's about the experience. If you are not able to talk about the experience, that's marketing. You go up and put up all the billboards you want, but if your clients aren't talking about that, you can put up every ad, and soon as they see the ad, it's like, man, I didn't like that place. You just lost about 10 to 15 customers. Mm-hmm. It's about the experience. What are you experiencing when you go there? When you buy something, what do you experience? You get what you pay for. If you work hard every day, you should have an experience. You should have an experience. Do you do you actually get a chance to interact with the people who come to the lounge? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of different on my concept, but um, I have a personal relationship. Like most of my clients have my cell phone. They call me and ask me what they need. It's a personal relationship. I pretty much know their palate what they want. Um, you know, one of the fun things you talked about, D-Rob, D-Rob, when I was doing cigar parties in Charlotte, D-Rob wasn't smoking cigars. D-Rob smokes cigars like it's crazy right now. And I can tell you that he's very diversified from a Connecticut all the way to a, to a Maduro. You know, um, <laughs> you can see based on his page, he's changed. I'm talking about this a guy, I was like, man, come on, man, I got cigar for you. Let's just chill with him. But now he's in the game. He's in a cigar lounge, member of the cigar club where he, where, you know, a lounge where he lives at. When he travels, he goes smoke cigars, go to cigar festivals. And so, you know, you have to know your client. And then the thing I've learned about it is I'm not afraid to have clients who have 
other businesses that they go visit. Sometimes they come back and tell you about the experience and you can say, oh, I'm not doing a good job there. But the industry is so wide open that, you know, everybody can get a piece of the cake if you're serious and develop relationships. I kind of do like Space Ghost. I don't really put my face too much out in the product line. Um, what I kind of do is focus on the products, kind of different things. Um, the next concept is going to be kind of different when I get it there. Um, so it's just like, I'm looking at uniqueness, different being elite. That's why my brand, all my brands are elite. Every, every business I have has the word elite. Um, so that's what I, I tend to go off of the um, service and off what we get to our clients. Do you have a, do you have a goal date for, for the relaunch? No, what I'm doing right now is I'm strategically thinking on the relaunch of how we did the branding beforehand. Um, I now have a beautiful woman in my life that, um, takes up my time, which I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but it's a beautiful thing. But now I'm able to, I was always run, 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 run. Now I got to press pause where I can smell the roses and kind of calm down a little bit and kind of see a bigger picture of certain things. So I think for me right now, it's not a timeline. It's more when the timing is right. And right now I don't have that. Be honest with you, like when I was in radio, the songs I talk about, I used to call it a hit. If I got goose pimples, it's a hit. I don't have that feeling that I need in turn, a gut feeling. I think a lot of people in business don't listen to their gut. And my gut is telling me right now, it's not time right now. Keep developing, keep waiting, keep observing. And because I'm not losing anything, but I'm just waiting for the next thing that I'm going to do. And it's almost like a woman giving birth. You gave birth to a child, but that child ain't going to be born and then ready for a PhD. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's in the womb. Once it birth, it'll be birth, but it has to be the right time and, and everything strategically has to be. What happens is I think people plan um, running too fast, but I'm more about slow, steady pace and the right pace to make the right place. Yeah. You've mentioned, you mentioned your woman a couple of times. Yeah. I want to know how has she changed your perspective in life? Man, you know what's amazing? Um, when you find a great woman, it kind of balances you. You know what I mean? I think um, from the standpoint, we have a great open relationship. When I say open, not open, like what people say in the streets here now. I'm saying <laughs> we're open, honest, like she has her goals and I got mine and we mutually support each other. But I think at this stage, it's a calm of the peace of knowing that you got somebody on your back that supports you, that listens to you. You listen to them, and it's more of a team effort. I mean, she has nothing to want to do with the cigar game. Nothing. Trust me, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> She'll smoke at times when I want to. It's not consistently, but it's just the fact that you got that support, man. I think a lot of people in business don't understand that. You got to have someone in your corner that understands that's not trying to suck and drain you like a leech because they see the potential amount of money that the industry makes, but just really helping you be passionate about your dream. And as much as I pour into her, she pours into me. Mm. You mentioned the business of cigars. Has that, has that been surprising to you? Because now it's booming. Like, it seems like everybody, like, that's the cool thing to do is, like, have a cigar, have mm -hmm. a drink. Has that been surprising to you? No, no. When you look at, um, and it's kind of, um, the demographics are different, man. I've seen more women get into it. And I say this about five yes. years. Yes, I know women clients that have taken, which would probably used to be a shoe, a shoe closet and turned into a wine and cigar closet, a wow. human being. Wow. Um, you know, women spend, men are kind of, we fool like, I ain't spending $200 on that box. I'm going to go get a couple of sticks <laughs> and do whatever. And women buy? Oh, dude, they buy. And so I've seen a lot of women coming to it. I'm not talking about, they used to smoke a lot of the Lanceros, the little cigarillos. I'm talking about they smoke big time cigars, high end cigars. So the women's side, I've seen it now, as in numbers in younger ages, and I don't have the numbers on. I see that'll be a lot more of the CBC, what, CBD and marijuana smoking since that's becoming popular in Vegas and other places like that. I see that age group doing a lot more of that. Some of the young demographics are smoking cigars, but not like people in their 
middle, late 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And so what I think what happens is people are now seeing it as, you know, people that don't even smoke cigars will walk by a cigar and say, man, that smells good. And they don't understand that cigars don't have any tar, nicotine, or anything like that in it that's made like cigarettes. But what happens is it has a natural antidepressant. So it calms you. So if you look at people, they're not smoking like, and nothing against people who smoke cigarettes or blunts. They like outside, cold as heck. <laughs> Ooh, it's cold. Let's go back in. You got people that say, I'm going out of the garage. I got me a heater. I'm going to be out here for about an hour and a half. And they get to unwind and let their mind unwind. And they get to drink and kind of settle down and have what I tell my, tell my lady, me time. You get to unwind. And I think with everybody with the amount of stress, pressure, and if you look at an everyday cigar, like you don't have to smoke a $20 cigar. Some people do that for special occasions, but there's some really good brands of cigars with about 5 or $7 a stick that you can buy, uh, you know, different shades from a Connecticut to a, you know, a Maduro or a, a mild to medium blend that suits where you are. And that's just time for you to unwind, mm. to reward yourself. Cigars is a, is a reward. A good shot of bourbon is a reward. Mm. And so a lot of people have gotten into, I want to reward myself. Then a lot of people got into the fact that it's the culture has changed. Everybody want to have a humidor in their house and talk because they got these luxury houses. They didn't build their forever home. So they want a desk piece with a, you know, a humidor on their desk with some cigars. And then I go look at a cigar like, oh, okay, I know where you at. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, but the thing about it is, you know, the, the game has like any other level, like if you look at um, one of my favorite brands, Porsche, Porsche has what? You got the, um, the Boxer, you got the Cayman, you got the Panamera, which is my favorite car, and you got the um, Macon, you have the 911, and if you want different brands of it, you got the GTS, you got the Turbo. You got the 4S. So they got something that fits everybody's price point for a certain level of luxury. So whether you want to spend 50000 200 300000 if you want to get the Titan, now the Ticon is based, is, is booming. They, they electric cars underrated. But <laughs> if you look at that brand, it's just like cigars. It's like they got something that fits where you are. Mm. I'm going to close you. I'm going to close out with this. Like I told you before, you're, you're a brilliant man. I love hearing you talk business. Appreciate it, man. And you, and you mentioned something that was really important. You mentioned that it's important to read. So yeah. I want to know what book impacted you the most? Wow. Man, I will be honest with you. I told my fiance I got to get back into reading. I used to read one business book a month and one inspirational book a month. One of the books that changed me is Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun About My Frat Brother Reginald. Um, <clears throat> um, he owned Beatrice Corporation with the Virginia State University, was one of the first top billionaires in the food industry back in the early 90s. Died of a brain tumor because the first cell phones was a brick, and that brick, the batteries weren't developed, so the radiation from the battery went to the brain, caused a brain tumor, he passed. That book changed my life because that showed me that a black dude that went to Virginia State, was a billionaire in the 90s, owned Beatrice Corporation. That changed my life. Um, I will tell you, not necessarily, I'm going to go with what I've done in the last six months that changed me, who is a brilliant business mind. Um, and, his, and I will tell you, I learned guerrilla marketing 20 years ago, but he got guerrilla, guerrilla marketing. <laughs> I've read, I, I, I listened to the video book of 50 Cent's Hustle Hard, mm. man, that thing re-motivated. He was talking about the standpoint of in his um, New York office, he looks down at the road and sees a guy selling peanuts. He said if he lost everything today, he would go on the opposite corner and sell five different flavors of peanuts. Then he would work on how to get in Shea Stadium to sell his peanuts at the baseball game. He said he's always thinking about what's next. And if you look at what he's done from music, entertainment, clothing, fashion, to the whole big power series to revelop and he's bringing programming that people were scared to touch, that the executives were paid, scared to touch, giving people jobs and opportunities would not get jobs in the industry. And he's changing the game, but his concept of hustling, that, that, that book right there changed me. That's up there with the Warren Buffett stuff. 
but he just, I mean, he put it basically where you can get it. Like just start somewhere and just start always recreating and redeveloping yourself. So I think those are the things I got to get back into reading some more. But um, I think that you just got to find out what meets you and where you need to learn certain things. But I would tell you that right now, the best experience is you can read a book. Those are concepts and people develop to help make them successful. Mm-hmm. You got to go out here and launch and try and don't be afraid to fail. You, if you if you fall eight times, get up nine. Mm-hmm. Failure is there's no failure option into it. If you don't put the time in, you're not going to get the benefits from it. And so you have to put the time in it, whether it's relationships, whether it's business, whether it's your kids, whether it's your fine family, your finances. If you don't invest the time into it and you don't have the support and the energy around you, and also you got to be careful of the people that's in your circle. If you're the smartest person in your circle, then you need to leave that circle. Okay. You got to hold yourself accountable. Like if you look at millionaires, millionaires only associate with millionaires. Yeah. It's a reason for that. So if you got somebody who's negative, always pulling you down, always dragging you, always complaining, that's your fault you stand in. <clears throat> your fault. Nobody else's fault but yours. So you have to say, like we used to say in the hood, oh man, you ain't real, you, you changed. No, I, I haven't changed. I elevated, so I had to alleviate. Mm. If I'm making $100 million, I can't relate to somebody who makes $100. Yeah. Man, that was deep. Listen, I truly, truly thank you for taking the time to do this, man. Cool, it's, man. Really been, it's really been a pleasure talking with you. Um, I got a lot more than I expected. <laughs> hey, man, you want to go another 10? We can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save it for another one because we're going we to end up going forever. Hey, but man, I, I you, but it's, it's really been a pleasure, man. It's really hey, man, I thank you. Appreciate it for you and your listeners, man. Much success in your podcast. You got a great concept. People support. Um, James Lampkin, get out there. You know, whatever you want to do, forward it, like it, share it with somebody. I mean, great content. If you're going to sit down here and listen to it, you got to share it. You can't grow unless you share. Hey, man, thank you for that plug. But don't forget right, to buddy. plug yourself also. <laughs> oh, man, I'm good, man. I'm on Instagram at... Um, at Elite Cigar Lounge on Facebook at Elite Cigar Lounge. You'll see some stuff out there. I don't do um, the World Wide Web. We had a website, but I took it down because the concept has changed. You know, a lot of people aren't really going to the web anymore. It's really about quick hits and stuff like that. You know, we count on a relaunch. We do a relaunch. We're going to relaunch it, right? It might take, you know, a minute, but, you know, we got some things we're working on, but, you know, anybody want to hit me up, kind of talk. You know, I have some stuff behind the scenes. You know, people hit me up and DM me. Need something, we'll hit you up, man. But it's all good. Appreciate the love, brother. I appreciate you. And I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast and supporting yeah. me. I really appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with Lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.